Welcome to the 13th episode of Who Needs School. Today we're going to take a little little twist in our conversation and talk about the first educators, our parents, and the role of parenting in education. Our guest today is Carrie Cahill LaRosa. She has an advanced degree in clinical social work and is the founder of LaRosa Parent Coach. But before we get to our, my chat with her, I tell a little story about my first educators, my parents, and particularly my mom. Now, I'm the old, oldest of six kids, and we were growing up. Our our birthday was a was a big deal, and we'd get the one gift from from mom and dad. That was always the big gift. And for my 18th birthday, as I was May of uh, my senior year of high school, and I was going to head off to Santa Clara for college. And for my 18th birthday, uh, my mom gets me this this package that I open up. And of course, I'm thinking I'm going to get a car or something like that. And I open it up and it's this green apron. And she's on the opposite end of the table for me to so we celebrate my birthday. And she says, okay, stand up. I want you to hold it up. So I, I hold up this green apron and, and she stands up and she's wearing her apron. She comes around the table and she says, all right, hold it up and I hold it up. And the, the strings in the back of the apron are tied. And I'm thinking, wow, this is come on, this is a, what a weird gift for an 18 year old heading off to college. And she comes up and she grabs the apron strings and takes a pair of scissors out of the pocket of her apron. And she cuts my apron, apron springs and says, you're free to go. And so for my 18th birthday, she gave me my freedom. And in some respects that made it very helpful to come back. All right. Enjoy our conversations with, with Carrie LaRosa. Well, a warm welcome to Carrie LaRosa to Who Needs School. Carrie, uh, where does this podcast find you? Hi, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. I am currently in Rockville, Maryland, just outside of D.C. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, for doing this. I really appreciate it. And I thought we'd just dive right in. And if you could talk a little bit about what you're doing now and your path to get there. And, you know, what were the experiences and, and why are you doing what you do? All right. Well, currently I am a parent coach. I have a degree in social work. And what I do is I work with parents to understand child development, to strengthen their relationships with their children and help them to raise children who are confident, independent, and emotionally intelligent. And then, so how did, how'd you get there? What was your path to, to starting this business? So I went to social work school and there's some background to that, which I can share in a moment. Uh, mm -hmm. And I studied clinical social work with children and families. And then I was working with uh, children and uh, providing individual therapy for them. But of course, you know, there's the work with the parents, right, to to support the therapeutic work and to help with the progress in between the therapy sessions. And what I discovered in working with children and families is that there was another way uh, to help support families, um, and that was to work directly with parents to help equip them with the knowledge and the skills to be able to be the best parent that they could be for their specific child. And so I started my own business and gradually that became um, the work that I have been continuing to do for over 10 years now. And I bet there's no, no lack of work. I mean, we always talk about parents as being the first teachers and right. 
Um, there's certainly a lot about uh, parenting and overparenting, and probably a lot of anxiety about what parents should do. And love for you to talk to talk to that in, in a minute. But before that, I just want to peel back a little bit. What you know, what prompted you to do this? What is this something you thought about when you were growing up in school, or did did something um, inspire you to do this? So I've always be, been interested in in helping people and um, kind of how the mind works and. But I went to St. Ignatius SI, as you know, and the part of SI, one of the reasons I love it so much is that there's the aspect of character development. It's not just academics. It is about how do you support, you know, the development of the full person. And part of that was our encouragement to think empathically about other people, people who are struggling, people who are challenged. And, you know, to be people, it was for others and then was changed to with others. So you're working together to move forward, to make progress, to gain those skills that you need to do to have to be successful. And so that kind of started the bug for me of thinking about what careers I could have, what I could do that would, where I could be a professional and still work with people and advocate for them and support them. And I went to the Jesuit Volunteer Corps, which led me down a path of doing um, paralegal work for nonprofits. And um, what I found through that work was the people kept coming in with the sort of same underlying issues that kept getting them trapped in the legal system. And so I decided that I was going to go to social work school to learn more about the systems and the issues that people face that um, continue to sort of trap them and create barriers to being successful and making progress and being independent. And I've always loved children and have a passion for children and child development and so that's um, why I chose to to focus on clinical work with children and families. It's a long long Great. road, it, but <laughs> yeah. But it sounds like you you know you really paid attention to you know to some societal needs and gifts that you have that could um, help improve uh, you know the lives of the people that you're dealing with. Now I know that this is uh, kind of morphed into really focusing on parents and how they you know how they parent and. Um, We've all been parented, right? Right. In some some fashion or another. And certainly I think a lot of us have opinions about parenting. But it's no secret that in you know today's world, there's a there's a lot of um, I, for lack of a better word, over parenting or whatnot. I think I um, may have shared with you before the story of my son was gonna be a freshman up at Gonzaga University, and they told the story about this girl who wandered into the housing office and said, Hey, I can I change my room? And they're like, well, well, you know, what's up? And she said, um, well, my, my roommate's mother's been living with us for six weeks and oh sleeping goodness. on the floor and getting up every morning and taking her to class as a college freshman. So that just seemed, you know, it's obviously a bit extreme and yet there's something that there's some drive that parents have to, to do that. What, Absolutely. Um, what do you, what do you see in your work with parents? You know, what are some of the major um, themes trends, uh, concerns, or opportunities? Yeah, so I, that is an extreme example, but you're right, it, it happens. And the question I would have is, whose need is that being filled there? Is that the parent's need? Is it the child's need? And it might be a little bit of both. 
Either way, not a healthy situation, right? And the reality of it is, is that there's so much societal stress and perceived kind of fear about these terrible things that are going to come in the future and how terrible our world is right now, that it creates so much fear and anxiety on the part of parents and concern that if we don't step in as parents, if we don't sort of shift and drive and shape how our kids learn and do sports and extracurriculars, if we don't drive them down the right path, they're never going to get there and they won't be successful and they won't uh, be able to go to that top college and they won't get that good job. Uh, And that's a lot. That's a lot of Mm -hmm. pressure on a parent. Yeah. It's a lot of designing. Right, to really trying yes. to design the the kid and and you know create a pathway for their experience. So right. how, how do you address that? Well, so let's let's talk about what happens when you parent from a place of fear and anxiety. What ends up happening is is when we are feeling anxious and stressed or fearful, our logical, logical, our logical and rational part of our brain is not working very well. It's not functioning. Uh, And so when we parent from that place of fear and anxiety, we are not making good parenting choices. We also then create fearful and anxious children. And we really prevent them from being able to develop the very skills that they need to be successful, which is to be self-driven, intrinsically motivated, emotionally intelligent, resourceful, independent, and have confidence. And it's this tough situation and tough balance of when do you support, when do you step back, when do you let them make a mistake, learn how to recover from that mistake, when, you know, that back and forth, that constant sort of tension around when do you step in, when do you support, when do you let them figure it out on their own? And that's not easy. And it's going to be different at each developmental stage, of course, and a little different depending on the child. But I think being able to reflect as a parent, what is driving my decision to force my kid to do the swim team or to get this tutor? What am, What is the intention behind this? Is this something they really need or is this a need that I, of mine or a need that I feel like they should mm-hmm. have? How, and, and how uh, do you find the parents you work with to be receptive or is there this kind of deep seated resistance? You know, like they hear you, but don't really listen. You know, how, I, how's that kind of message received? I, I think it's really hard to buy into that idea. It's it's It feels like a risk, right? If we don't try to control what's happening, we're leaving it up to chance. And so being able to um, give parents sort of the, the information and knowledge about how things actually turn out when you use these strategies or parent from a place of fear and anxiety, to be able to, to give them opportunities to learn from parents who've gone through it, who have let their kids gone down their own path and how that worked out for them. And it's not always going to work out perfectly, but, you know, forcing them, pushing them, um, designing them, as you say, is not necessarily going to work out the way we want anyway. And the reality of it is is that without our own passions and um, motivation, 
we won't be that successful anyway. If somebody else is our external driving force, well, what happens when that goes away? Or what happens if it gets quiet? Or uh, what happens if you just don't want to listen to that external motivation anymore, right? You need to have some of that come from within. We, my wife and I raised three kids and other adults. We always felt like our job was to um, get them out of the house, you know, to, mm-hmm. so that they could, whether it's go away to college or go, you know, go live on their own, but they could, they could live on their own. You know, they could yeah. handle the um, life and, and be able to take care of themselves. Um, and it, it, there, it was, it's a, it was a very interesting experience because of the external pressures, especially mm-hmm. around sports. Now, I live in the, San Francisco Bay Area on the peninsula, it's produced, you know, some of the, the world's best right. baseball players, you know, like, uh, you know, Barry Bonds and, and whatnot. And there's a, there's great knowledge about, um, and expertise about baseball. And there was just mm-hmm. so much, um, opportunity and mm-hmm. kind of pressure for our boys to play on these club baseball teams. And yeah. because you felt you're, you're like afraid that, if you didn't give them that opportunity, they may not reach their fullest potential. Now, um, for us, that blew up. I remember vividly a Sunday night in November, late November, my son was playing at a baseball tournament down in a local uh, local place, and they're in the championship on a Sunday night. It was like 8.30 at night. We mm-hmm. were freezing. <laughs> and I just sat there thinking, this is this, I want to be home with my family having dinner and relaxing right. on a Sunday night. And we're right. spent all day at this baseball park. And I'm thinking, who do you have to blame for that? That's your own <laughs> fault. And so after that, we just put a kibosh on anything that wasn't really in season. And also, I think a part of it is the uh, uh, fame and attraction of uh, what pro athletes might, you know, uh, offer. And there's that's right. just such a, a lure. And I, I, you know, kind of thought back to that and I thought, do I, would I really wish that on my kid? Right. You know, that's a, you know, have that kind of uh, fame and, and uh, attention. I don't know if that's exactly what I'd, I'd want for my kid. Anyway, I digress because right. parenting but, is uh, so but I have, I have to say that I, my husband and I have been struggling with that recently as the kids get older and people start moving into these travel teams and what's best for our kids and our family too. You know, is this just because everybody else is doing it? And again, this fear, parenting out of the fear that if I don't sign my kid up for this, what's going to happen to their soccer career? You know, my Mm nine-year-old soccer career, what's going to happen if I, you know, don't sign her up for this, you know, $4,000 a year travel team? Well, you know, I've decided that I'm willing to take the chance. I want Mm -hmm. soccer to be fun. And I want baseball for my son to be fun. And hopefully they'll find their own drive and passion to work hard at it or not. That's okay. It's really, you know, it it can impact the family both financially and time-wise when you push if the children aren't really driving it. And it's not always the best thing. And then there's burnout sometimes as well. Right. I, I found that what to be one of the, the fascinating lessons and perhaps blessings of this, you know, COVID experience that we had in the past 18 to 19 months, especially when things really shut down. There were some weekends where we had nothing to yeah. do. And um, I can't remember the last time that happened. And it was, took a little getting used mm-hmm. to, 
but there it was also very refreshing. It was there it was very recreational, recreation. You know, you right. really got a chance to uh, relax it, and so we've been kind of conscious of trying to build in time like that, almost schedule it so that you have uh, you don't have it overly planned. Yeah, um, and I think that's so thing, good for children. Oh, sorry. Oh no, no, go ahead, expand on that. I think it's so good for children, you know, both young and older and adults too, quite frankly, to have that downtime. They were uncomfortable with it at first, but then, you know, my kids end up doing things that they had never felt like they had time for or just didn't even think about because their days were so planned out and structured, but they were building, you know, forts in the woods and going on bike rides and, you know, doing things that they just don't normally get too much of an opportunity to do. And thankfully, some of that has continued, but kids need to figure out what to do when there's downtime. You know, they need to rest. They need to have some time to think for themselves and have quiet thoughts. Um, And and learn how to play, right? And not have that all designed for them, right? And that's uh, that whole idea and art of, of play is so important. I'm going to circle back real quick on the sports thing that you mentioned, because we've been through that, right? And yeah. um, uh, I don't know, you may or may not know, but my, I, I had a son that played college football and then spent the last four years on and off uh, practice squads in the NFL. He's a, you know, he's a high level wow. athlete. He's been a, trying to play tight end. And um, he, he made you know, I, I always say that he's probably going to curse me on my grave when I die because we, when he was in high school <laughs> and had a desire to play in college, we did nothing. Like we didn't yeah. hire anybody, didn't do anything. And all I said to him is, if you're going to do this, you got to own it. Because to play something like that in college or at a higher level takes tremendous in, intrinsic desire. Yes. Um, and he's gotten as far as he's gotten. Um, he's a good athlete, but he's incredibly focused, and he had a yeah. deep desire to be successful and to try it. He wasn't trying. To, he wasn't doing it for me, and that right. that I thought was important. You know, I could care less. I just want him to find something that he um, where he could really uh, use his gifts. But I thought was that was um, I, I think helpful for him. You know, to, yeah. to getting to where he got. You know, one well, if anyway. you. And I wonder what would have happened if you did try to design that. If instead you saw well, you're really good at football. All right, let's figure out how how we can support you and make you the best player possible. You know, I, we will never know, but I wonder if he would have the same drive or passion. I, my guess would be no, because you and would be you you guys as the parents would take that over. You would take that drive and that passion on, and he wouldn't even have the space to develop that for himself, to think about it, whether he wants to do it for himself or not. But when you let the kids drive their passion, when you let them sort of take the lead on some of these things, it's an opportunity for growth in so many different aspects and also just helps to develop that intrinsic motivation that is really so key to committing and to staying focused like your son is doing without that right. he probably and wouldn't it, be doing what he's doing right now right and that we're not sure where he is and if he's done or if he's going to have another opportunity um but he really doesn't know what he's going to do after this football thing's over because he's been so mm-hmm. focused on it but i'm not worried about it because right. the the same gifts and skills that he applied 
and the discipline and the focus and the effort that he applied to doing this will translate into whatever he tries to do next. And so, and he'll be fine because he's developed those kind of internal resilience and, and toughness and skills to, you know, to do that stuff. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's so key is that's such a good point, Joe, is that the, those other skills, those social emotional skills, the independence, the drive, the focus, they do really translate to everything else. And and we're often very focused on sort of the obvious skill sets of athleticism or arts or academics when there are these other social emotional skills that are so critical in whatever you do in life, you know, at home, in the community, at work, um, that those, you know, of course, I mean, my background is in social work, so of course I'm going to think this way, but the research is coming out strong that in fact, these social emotional skills and having emotional intelligence is so key to, you know, success, whatever that looks like in the future. Yeah. And those take time and it takes time to develop those, those skills, years, you know, of, of development. And they're obviously when they're, you know, kids, it's different ages for, you know, different, uh, growth opportunities. Absolutely. Um, pivot just a, just a little bit as in ask you as a, as a mom of, you know, school age kids, as you anticipate their, um, you know, that they're going into secondary school and, and, you know, hopefully or probably to college beyond that. What are you, what are your hopes, mm-hmm. you know, for their experience in school? Like, what do you really want their experience to be uh, like in school? And basically knowing what you know, and doing mm-hmm. what you do, what should schools, especially high schools, you know, what, what mm-hmm. should we be doing? Well, I think, you know, my kids are very different. I'm sure you having three kids that they were all different. They learn differently. And I think it's so important for kids to feel like somebody sees them for who they are at school. Um, that, relationship in so many aspects of life is so key. Um, and particularly I think with school, um, the relationship that staff has with parents and that teachers and administrators have with students, that they make positive assumptions about the students and that they truly believe that there aren't bad kids, but maybe kids who make some bad choices at times and um, that they also provide, they're not expecting kids to always to fit into a box. They allow that mm-hmm. there's some space. I hope my children feel like there's some space for them to be themselves at school. Um, that particularly as they would move into high school, that they feel like there are opportunities for them to follow their passions, whether, you know, if that's some hands-on experience uh, some choice in classes, um, and, you know, really being able to have opportunities to develop those social emotional skills, being independent so that, you know, they are expected to, there are high expectations of them. They're held accountable and that they're also given 
opportunities to develop those skills, to recover from mistakes, to get the support when they need, uh, to follow their passions, to, you know, advocate for themselves for what they may need or want to do. So really, you know, to sum that up, it's about them being able to be themselves and have choices and gain, you know, the, the social emotional skills we've been talking about and independence. And confidence. Yeah. Let me not forget about confidence. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, perhaps one of the things that was accented during uh, COVID, you know, where we had yes. a lot of schools going to re- remote learning, which we did as well. And as technology and the access to information has changed over the last couple and few decades, we realized, I, th- I think that, you know, we, we used to see schools as a repository of information. This is mm-hmm. where you're going to, you know, learn and pick stuff up. And it doesn't necessarily uh, have to do that. We could find that information from anywhere. Right. And what uh, schools, some of the values that, uh, that schools offer is that they are a place for socialization. And that is so right. important to human development that they learn the, those interpersonal relationships and uh, develop those social emotional skills. And it was um, one of the things perhaps highlighted during, uh, during COVID. Any any other any other thoughts? Kind of last thoughts on, you know, this topic in the, you know, the world you've immersed yourself in as a parent coach, and, and as it, especially as it pertains to school. Yeah, I mean, I think one last thing, just kind of piggybacking on what you were just saying, that the other aspect of wanting, you know, following the passion, having choice, and independence is that the reality of it is we can sit down and learn something to spit back out on a test, right? But when we are interested, when we're focused, when we have a passion for something, we are able to truly learn and develop skills, right? So that's why, you know, the two-year-old is able to come up with all these um very difficult words for what the different dinosaurs are or um, construction Mm -hmm. vehicles are because they're passionate about it. So they want to learn and they immerse themselves in it and they read the books and they talk about it. And I, you know, that, that doesn't stop when we're passionate, when we're interested in a topic, we are going to absorb that information so much better. And Mm. particularly if we're feeling that we're in a place that is, safe and we are respected and treated with respect and, um, and that it's a safe learning environment where you can make mistakes and have the support or at least, yeah, have the support to get back up again and learn from them. You know, you really touch upon one of the themes that has emerged as I've talked to folks in this podcast, and that's the gift and value of curiosity. And it's not so much about designing what to learn, um, learning how to learn is important, but, you know, somehow designing or inspiring this curiosity because yes. if you're curious, there's, you know, it just, a whole, the, that perspective of being curious is opens up a whole world of opportunity. And you really, I think you really touched upon that. Yes, um, absolutely. Hey, last bit, love to ask if there's anything that you'd recommend uh, reading wise or something to watch, especially if uh, we've got some young parents out there that want to, you know, raise healthy, independent, uh, responsible uh, citizens. Yeah. So a couple things, check 
me out on social media um, for online classes and webinars that come up. Also, some of the books that I love, Permission to Feel by Mark Brackett. He is the director of emotional, the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence, The Self-Driven Child by Ned Johnson and William uh, Stixrude is excellent. It really touches on some of the themes we were talking about today about, you know, how do you sort of let your child go and make some of those decisions, even when it's scary. And then if you want to look at a really alternative, different perspective on education and how children learn based in sort of how they learn naturally and uh, based in child development, anything by Peter Gray is great. He definitely thinks outside the box. He's a little bit about unschooling, but there's a lot of nuggets of great information that he has about how children really learn. And again, sort of tying to these themes of developing these social emotional skills and being becoming self-driven and intrinsically motivated. So I would definitely check some of his things out. That's awesome. Those are great recommendations. And folks can find you on it's LaRosaParentCoach.com. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Great. And I, and I know you have talked about doing some YouTube videos and, and making some of the work that you do a little more uh, accessible, correct? Yes, absolutely. Um, COVID has sort of helped me pivot into the world of making some of this information accessible and affordable where you can listen to it or watch it whenever you want. So, you know, check out my website, follow me on social media, and you'll get up-to-date information on the latest and um, of courses. And if there's something that people want to learn more about, I am open to it. So just shoot me a message. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I certainly, uh, commend you on your, your good work. There's perhaps no more important thing we do, uh, if we have kids than being parents and setting, you know, being the the role model for them and, and, uh, helping raise them. It's a, you know, a very important responsibility. Well, Carrie, I cannot thank you enough for joining us. Just fascinating conversation and, and great work. So thank you so much for, for being a guest today. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. I, I appreciate it. Thank you for joining this session of Who Needs School? If you like what you hear, please like us, follow us, and recommend it to your friends. Thank you.